Welcome to Thinking Cats. This week, we ask, did the analyst Real Story Group just pop the Salesforce marketing bubble? Stay tuned. So, Tim, this week we've got a fairly interesting and perhaps a controversial subject. I think this one's going to go under a lot of comments. Tell me where you're going with this. Right. Well, let's look at this article by the Real Story Group entitled The Crazy Pricing of Salesforce CDP. Mm. Now, I want to take you through uh, a few different quotes from the article, and then we want to unpack that and see what does it all mean? Because I think there's a bigger story here. So firstly, subscribers to RSG's CDP vendor evaluation research know that Salesforce Customer 360 audiences remains very much a work in progress, with many of its core services substantially lacking competing offerings. Crucially, audiences relies on many other Salesforce platforms for a complete solution. This speaks to the platform's youth, but also Salesforce's broader strategy of wanting to lock you into a broad suite of cobbled together platforms. In this respect, Salesforce is mimicking other big MarTech players, including Adobe and Oracle. Did an analyst actually say cobbled together platforms? Yeah, telling the truth. I love it. Man, keep going. Let me hear more. Right, they go on. Now, you might reasonably think that under the circumstances, Salesforce would price audiences more aggressively, but you'd be wrong. Audiences CDP is actually quite pricey. In fact, for larger enterprises, ungodly expensive. Ouch. What else? Ouch. Okay. So I'm going to finish up here with the last quote. Yet the sheer mismatch between list price and what you actually get with this CDP could also confirm my suspicion that Salesforce, like some of its peers, is not trying to win CDP deals on value, but on pre-existing relationships. Relationships matter, but you should never get overweighted in any MarTech selection process. So I think what you're saying here is that the Real Story Group, an analyst that that looks at all types of marketing platforms, including Cheetahs, has basically said Salesforce's audience platform is cobbled together, doesn't really have any innovation. And frankly, they're just trying to sell it to you because they already have an existing relationship, probably take you out to a lot of dinners and just like slip this one in. (laughs) Is that what's going on here? That's pretty much it. All right, tell me more. Now, so, you know, I think there are lessons here in integration and innovation when you're looking at marketing cloud strategies that we need to unpack. So firstly, marketing clouds, right, have been on an acquisition bingo. Just look at this slide. This is uh, all of the acquisitions in the uh, MarTech space for the marketing cloud that Salesforce has made over the last 10 years. Wow. Yeah, there's a lot of names on there. There's a lot of logos. Yeah, and they're mainly mature companies, right? They're the leaders in their space or amongst the sort of top three vendors that had scale. So scale, meaning they're ready, they can go to platform, they can they can go out and you can start putting customers on them. But why? We know why. But explain, why do marketing clouds like Salesforce buy platforms for scale? Well, so companies like Salesforce, they literally never buy young companies that need product innovation. Uh, and I think that's because they know that they don't do innovation well, well at all. You know, uh, companies like Adobe and Salesforce and, and, and other big marketing cloud players have entered into the marketing space through acquisition, not through organic innovation. Sure, sure. They go buy somebody. All right. 
And, and the reason why I don't think innovation happens very well at these companies is, is mainly down to two things. The first is that the innovators from these acquisitions, right, the founders and the senior team, usually leave shortly after the acquisition, usually about six months, when they're able to sell their shares. So there's a brain drain. Payday, see you later, I'm out of here. Yeah. The second and perhaps the more, most more important reason is that private companies backed by you know, venture capital and PE money can support more unfettered spending on research and development as growth and innovation is their driver, not profitability. Public companies like Adobe, like Salesforce, you know, they're just driven differently. So it's much harder to actually do than it is in a VC world. Yeah, yeah, that makes it makes sense. I mean, I don't agree with it, but uh, I see why they're buying scale. So continue on with your theory here. So, um, you know, and if you think about it, just to back this up, the companies when they have they have bought the early stage young companies, it's ne- nearly always an unmitigated disaster. Think about you know Adobe's acquisition of Live Fire or S- uh, Salesforce's acquisition of Buddy Media or Oracle's acquisition of Vitro. All, all disasters. So sensibly, they're buying these companies that don't require product innovation that have scale because the goal for them is to scale these product assets out across massive global go-to-market uh, uh, infrastructures in order to drive profitability. Yeah, they just want to drive revenue. They don't want to drive new solutions. So, all right, so they're buying mature companies that have scale. But I see maturity sometimes with legacy. So integration, and this is my world, right? Last 10 years have been integrating these platforms for brands. The integration is a nightmare. You got to buy like a, a pallet of duct tape to make this stuff work. Yeah, look, it's no it's no secret in the MarTech world that, you know, mature companies, older technology companies that have scale uh, uh, are often much harder to integrate. They're yeah. built on older development frameworks and coding languages. They all have very different data models. So the mishmash of mature tech companies that Salesforce has been buying over the last decade is a literal nightmare to integrate. Yeah, you know, it is a total nightmare. And that's why I love Cheetah. And I, I was a client of Cheetah before I joined Cheetah. It's, you know, a different approach here at Cheetah. We're able to actually make actionable data do things on the platform. It's the lifeblood of what we do. And, uh, you know, we did the hard work to replatform. So everything is native. Everything is on one single platform with the customer engagement suite here. Yeah, and, you know, the... You know our data platform, right? That's the the, the data management replatforming that we've done, getting everything onto uh, what we call the engagement data platform. Now that natively supports a full range of lifecycle apps with batch streaming and real-time data integration across the huge array of data sources that marketers need to serve the right message at the right time on the right channel to the right consumer. Yep. Right? These yep. lifecycle apps natively connected via the EDP makes us able for us to support customer journeys dynamically, right? And close this last mile to the consumer. And you just can't do that by playing acquisition bingo and mature technologies, <laughs> all of which have very, very different data models. Got it. So, you know, you, you get into a marketing cloud situation where they've acquired all these endpoint solutions, stitch them together with APIs that may or may not work, but nothing's native, nothing's really in real time. And I, I'm not going to air the details of, of what I've done at other brands, but it is a nightmare. So I think what you're saying here is the marketing clouds and their acquisition strategies are really not helping their clients achieve their goals, right? It's like it, it's like they're raining on the marketing parade for a brand when they try and I, put all this together. I believe the reality to be exactly that. And, yeah. you know, at the end of the day, 
if you're kind of thinking about a marketing cloud, quite often people buy it because, you know, they've seen that they've got trouble internally with different technologies trying to sort of stitch them all together and, you know, do their own sort of uh, re-platforming onto a common sort of data data platforms. Like customers know that this is, stuff is difficult. So it can be alluring to go, oh, a marketing cloud, great. It's, yeah. all, it's all integrated, brilliant. That's going to help me uh, a ton solve all these issues. Well, what, what we're seeing is that, you know, the reality is the integration isn't there. Nope. We're also seeing that the innovation isn't necessarily there either. So if you don't if the allure of the value of integration and innovation really isn't being borne about borne about by these marketing cloud strategies, one has to ask why do you want to have vendor lock in and then yeah. get hit with, you know, pricing issues like the real story group have uh, have, have talked about. So I think to summarize here we're up against time kick the tires. Yeah. And before you really dive in with your existing vendor, or if you have a relationship with one of these big behemoths, really, really kick the tires. Innovation number one, integration number two, because you might find yourself not getting what you need a year from now, even six months from now from the innovation side. And you, you might be employing an army of people to keep together this uh, would they say cobbled together platform? Yeah. Some people refer to them as the Franken suites. You don't want to be in that business. So, all right. Well, interesting topic. Comment below. If you're watching on LinkedIn or wherever you are watching this, we'd love that. We will answer your questions and, uh, you know, we'll take the punches and roll with it. Clothing thought, closing thoughts here. Um, I'd say trust your marketing technologists, right? You know, these are the guys yeah. that actually can kick the tires and look at the best capabilities that vendors have to offer. Okay. More to come. Uh, we'll cover this topic. I'm sure in the future. See you next time.